This is The Cooldown with me, Phil Rockner, and the always interesting Steph Hansen. With thanks to Triathlete Magazine, let's have a conversation. This is The Cooldown, Episode 7. Phil Rockner and Steph Hansen paddling this triathlon canoe this week. Steph, how are you doing? Uh, I'm, I'm good. I'm just laughing paddling. I was stand-up paddling yesterday um, for quite a few hours at the beach, so I like it. Good reference. Are you any good at it? Uh, Look, I stand up pedaling for me these days is with a small human on board. So <laughs> it's not it's not super fast. Uh there's always a low level of stress in case there's any um uh um overboard. Yeah. But uh but I love it. And she she's so confident on the board now and stands up with me and um it's it is it is a peaceful time for me. It's kind of my meditation, even though there is that low level of stress. Um, but I don't know. You know what it's like, just being on top of the water. There's just mm. something about it. Yeah, there is. It's. I think I, I've said this time and time again. I think that the ocean actually gives you energy. I think it's a. Mm. You know, there's a there's a whole thing about that. But um, uh, it's been an, another another interesting week in the uh, in the triathlon world. Um, mm. You and I travelled a lot in our. <laughs> <laughs> we're just talking off here about David Brent and life on the road. Um, <laughs> it's not glamorous. Like it's not, it's not glamorous. I, I, mm. I, I think back, it, it kind of isn't, isn't, I, I think back to some of the things that, you know, that you and you and I did a lot of travel to the same races. Mm. Um, people think, you know, like Mike Riley's flying around in the private jet, <laughs> you know, like that there's that sort of, it's, it's not glamorous, is it? It's not, it's, it's really not. And uh, I, you know, as we've discussed before as well, I, I was never really in it for the money. So everything for me was done on a shoestring budget. Um, and that's, that's a lie. Okay. That's a lie. The fact that you ate at Bubba Gump's in Kona, um, <laughs> I never got there. So, you know, you must have done something right. It wasn't my money though. I was spending. <laughs> Bubba Gumps. Oh gosh. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like um, a lot of the races, like you're pleading to get accommodation or um, staying with homestays or what have you. And I was just, I'm just laughing because I, we saw yesterday, maybe the day before, um, Sarah Piampiano announced her retirement. And I just was telling Brett about this random story that I'd completely forgotten about, about life on the road. And Sarah and I become quite good friends. She stayed with me here in the second year of Ironman Melbourne, I think. Um, so we got to know each other quite well then. And then I was going to Europe and I wanted to get to Ironman Austria and she was racing. So she invited me to stay with her homestay. So pretty cool. Uh, rocked up and she, she got there an hour before I did, what have you. And she just said, um, there's only one bed we have to share. And I, <laughs> I'm like, what? And it was just, and I, I was like, I, I don't actually care um, because it doesn't bother me if I have a, a sleepless night, you know, whatever, if I don't feel comfortable. But I'm like, you're a professional athlete. Yep. I'm a snorer. Uh, an aggressive sleeper. I move around a lot. Um, <laughs> that's definitely in the genes. Frankie is the most aggressive sleeper. Um, I, was, I was about to say I've ever slept with, which I haven't. Anyway, that's. Yeah, let's move anyway. on. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, it's so early when we're recording this. Um, anyway, I'm also, um, full disclosure, a massive drooler. Um, I'm a mouth breather. <laughs> We go into some depth here. We are, we totally are. So, but all these things are going on. I'm like, I'm laying next to, um, you know, Sarah was going to be on the podium if not winning that year. I think she came third. I think that year, and it was just, it was so awkward. Um, in this big house, there's only two bedrooms. It was in in this guy's house who I'd never met or spoken to. He was affiliated with the race, and I'm sharing this bed with Sarah Piampiano. And she was pretty chill about it, but I was like, oh my God. And you know what it's like when you're working, the race isn't, your work isn't finished when the race is done. You're mm -hmm. working till one, two o'clock in the morning, editing photos, doing video content, finishing race reports, all the things. And I'm like, she's going to bed at eight o'clock. 
and getting up. Oh God, it was yeah, just it's horrific. Um, it's so messy. <laughs> just I so just, random. Yeah, I just. <laughs> I mean, I, I, yeah, we did a lot of um, that sort of, um, you mentioned sort of that, first of all, who, what sport has homestays, <laughs> right? Like, can you imagine Rafa Nadal or Ash Barty or, you know, just going, oh, pulling up to a house to stay in? I know. You know, we, we, Federer, where are you staying at the Oz Open? I oh, just down at Phil's. You know, like, I mean, there's room for him. I'd be happy to have him, but... You, oh my saying? god! Homestays. What? 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 What's going on with this sport? I don't understand. But then you also speak to a lot of pros, and a, a lot of them do say it, it's one thing that they do actually enjoy. Like yes. it is, it is kind of part of the culture of the sport as well. So you don't want to change it too much because, yeah, I don't know. Like I think about Blinda Granger going back to Ross every year for forever. I think it's. A, 20, 20 years, whatever, uh, every year forever, she's the queen of that town. When she rolls into Roth, she she is like the honorary whatever, let's call it queen. I don't know. What do you call her? Mayor. Mayor? Yes. Would it be a mayor? Yeah. Yes. Um, and, you know, her homestay or her family, like her parents go and stay with them in the middle of of the year, like at Christmas time or what have you, just because they're now family. So like there's those kind of relationships that form over years. So, but yeah, you're right. Rafa and Ash Barty aren't knocking on our doors to come and hang. No, I know. Look, I, I still get that, but I don't get it. Cause I don't like, yeah, totally. Yeah, I just feel awkward around other people. Um, <laughs> you're not a homestay kind of guy. Nah, hell no. I just, I find that horrendous. And you know, I, I, I love too, like, you know, when you used to do commentary and, and the the company you'd work for would go, and I don't know, it would say, oh, you don't mind sharing a hotel room with someone in the same hotel room. I'm like, oh, I'm a grown-ass man. I'm not doing that. <laughs> I need the space. I just need to, like, you know, because when I would go to a race, I'd set up a command center. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, when I stopped going to media rooms, mm-hmm. you know, because the internet was always crap, the food was always whatever it was and just people, you know, it was just like, oh, I've been around people all day. I need, if I'm going to, you know, process um, photos in my underpants, so be it. <laughs> I, I don't need a media manager or someone telling me, I, I, like there's no need for that. So I always used to just set up a command center in, in my hotel rooms where yeah. I'd have, you know, charging stations and I'd have, you know, all video one area and photos the other and do all that sort of stuff. And um, it, it really was... Um, yeah, it really was its own area. I, the idea of being around people after a, a weekend of triathlon, um, hard. Yeah. Hard. Um, yeah. But, yeah, we stayed in some really crappy places too. Um, I can remember Kona one year, bed bugs. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Bed, I had to Google it. What is this thing on my arm? And it was like, you know, you got bed bugs. I'm like, oh, good. That's the best. Oh, my gosh. Um, no. And I remember – uh, my editor, Timmy, the angriest man in the world. Um, <laughs> he was in Abu Dhabi one time and he, he came out really spooked. Like, What's going on? He goes, yeah, someone just walked into my room at three o'clock in the morning. <gasps> he said like, and it was like a, like a cleaner or a hotel employee just opened his door and wandered in at three o'clock in the morning. I said, what happened? He just said, just stared at each other. I'm like oh that's freaky, gosh. man. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have liked that. Um, so yeah, it was. Um, it's not always, it's not always glorious. And then there's the bus rides and the transfers and the um, trying to get your gear. And and I know pros travel oh. with bikes, so they're probably you know if anyone's listening like that, going well, boohoo, I travel with a bike. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's very similar because it's your job. If you don't have your tools, yeah. Um, and then arrive, or you've got a delay. Um, especially if you're like Delhi Carr who shows up on a, like on a Saturday, late Saturday and then disappears on a late Sunday. Yeah. If he gets it wrong, um, yeah. then it's wrong. And I sp- actually spoke to him during the week. Um, and yeah, I, I, the longevity of those careers for those guys who have been in it forever. And we spoke to Brad Culp uh, earlier. He's another guy who's been at it for years. Um, mm. Kevin McKinnon, um, the delightful Canadian, he's been at it for years. Paul Kay, 
Mike Riley, these guys uh, who have floated around the world, it's pretty wild. They'd have, you know, like there's a, a really, um, yeah, they just, I, I don't, the travel and all that kind of thing probably just gets you down after a while, I would have thought. Yeah, but then the moment it's taken away, you, you miss it, right? That's yeah. how I felt, um, obviously, yeah. with uh, the pandemic and lockdowns. Um, but oh, I don't miss, I don't miss this. Oh, I think like there's a point in time during my life where it was okay to live on that shoestring budget and, you know, sit on the floor outside of a bar in Spain editing photos so I could use their Wi-Fi. Like, <laughs> Thank God for Maccas. Oh my gosh. One year I, cause Phil, in case you don't know this about me, I, I party hard. So after parties, <laughs> I'm your girl. And I was, I don't think I would be able to cope anymore, but Roth one year I had to get from Roth to Hamburg for the next weekend, the ITU. And, um, so I just start asking around who's going out. Cause I'm like, surely there's got to be someone who can give me a lift. Yeah. And, and Michelle Vesterby was heading up there. So, but it was the day after the after party. So I had to be packed, ready to go by 6am. I got home at 4.30am and a very proud moment. But I had danced so hard that I had twisted my ankle on the dance floor and I was in a lot of pain. And I had to lay in the back of their car with my foot elevated. Um, and I can't remember how long, like, I don't know, let's say it's a five hour drive. I can't actually remember, but a long time. And then we rocked up and I also had my bike because that's how I just got around everywhere. Mm. Um, so all camera equipment and my bike got to Hamburg. They dropped me off, had to keep going. About 30 minutes later, she calls me and she's like, oh, we're a day early. We didn't have to leave today. And I was just like, <laughs> are you kidding me? I, I was so filthy. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, and then stayed at some other random person's, I couldn't even tell you who it was, some other random person's house in their lounge room with their flatmates. That person wasn't actually there for two days. Like, so I was just sleeping in someone's lounge room. I didn't know who they were. And they didn't speak much English. Where was Discovery Channel where this is happening? I know. Perfect show. Uh, Walk on the road with uh, not David yeah. Brent, but with <laughs> Steph Hansen. But you know, you just get shit done. And yeah. I don't know. And I, like, I kind of thrive on it because I get to tell these stories now and reminisce and it's amazing. But right now at this point in my life, I'm much happier to, to pay for accommodation and yeah. cars and stuff. <laughs> yeah. A hundred percent. I'm, I'm with you. I, I, the thought of, you know, uh, I mean, I, I did a lot of outdoor work as a younger um, person and the idea of sleeping in a tent right now just makes me want to vomit. But um. <laughs> Certainly, you make compromises when you're doing this sport and you're doing this and you're covering it. Um, and I think that's the whole point is that you just, yeah, if you're looking to be a journalist or a writer, you just got to be flexible and you have to mm. take what you can get. But it's changed dramatically. You know, the landscape's changed so dramatically is that, you know, where the smaller, these smaller lot of pop ups like you and I had, and I use that term loosely because it was hardly popping up for a decade. Mm. Um, but you know what I'm saying? The smaller stuff, it's that is, it's so hard to get funding and it's so hard to get anything. Yeah. Um, even though everybody in the world is a broadcaster because you're sitting there with a phone in your pocket, you can, you can do that. Um, it's still really hard. Like mm. it's still incredibly hard, which is, um, I guess a testimony to triathlete magazine who, you know, this is, uh, coming through is that, you know, they've stayed the course and they've kept going and they've, you know, built and, and built and built. Whereas the smaller guys sort of, sort of, yeah, come and go, um, mm. but changing tact a little bit, you, you know, during the pandemic, I, I'm curious to get this what did you make of all the, and what do you make of all the swift races and all that stuff? What do you make of that? Oh. It's a question you don't notice, I know, but yeah. I, <laughs> you know, I, I, funny enough, I didn't love it. Yeah, I mean, this surprises me, Phil, stepping outside <laughs> the box. Weird. <laughs> um, no, I, look, I thought it was great that they found a way to keep pros active, um, not physically active. They can probably figure that out themselves. Um, but active in terms of racing and stuff. I, I, I really appreciated that that became a thing for a while. Um, but it, I 
to be honest, I never watched it. I wasn't interested in watching it. Um, it, it didn't float my boat. It's not something I saw as a long-term thing. I definitely saw it as an interim thing. Mm. Um, I know e-games is, has exploded. Uh, did you call it e-games? Yeah. 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 Um, I know that that's a big thing, but uh, I don't know. I don't think triathletes get into the sport to stay inside. Like part of the beauty of our sport is the, where you're going, what you're seeing while you're out, the fresh air, you know, I just, I don't know, at its heart and soul, I don't feel like it's, that's ever going to be a long-term thing. I don't think. No. Um, yeah, I'm the same as you. I looked at it as 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 a, as a filler, but I'm not sure. And it's it's yeah, I think people like triathletes, etc., love the outdoors too much. When you see Heather Jackson tweeting photos of her riding through the snow, etc., then yeah. you, you kind of get it, right? You go, okay, well, we're an outdoors person, and um, you know, you you just when you train in winter, you just suck it up and you go and 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 you just put more layers on, right? Whereas mm. Yeah, I mean, I know indoor training has its per- place and, and Zwift and all that has its place and it's obviously a, a powerful tool given the popularity of it. But racing that way, yeah, I, I battled with it. I know, And look, I thought it was cool too for, for um, pandemic style. Mm. But oh, as a long term, I'm not sure. I'm not sure it's going to have that sort of pull to, to keep it going. Although, you know, people are investing in it um, and think so smarter people than me, which wouldn't be hard. <laughs> um, yeah, it's an interesting one though, isn't it? It's um, it's not something I'd really think is going to have a lot of a lot of life. I don't know, but yeah. what um, what does he says segueing is we get we to go. talk to Flora Duffy. <laughs> that was a terrible segue. Well, she has a lot of life. She's flying. <laughs> yeah, it's not that good, is it? No, you, I've, don't. Not we can do better. You can do better. That was yours. Yeah, that was terrible. On <laughs> <laughs> a positive though, we do get to talk to Flora Duffy, who I, to be honest, I've never interviewed. So it's my first time in the presence, albeit uh, e presence of the of the great Olympian. Pretty cool, hey. Mm, mm. Yeah. Um, watching that triathlon, I was. I've not been that excited watching Olympics because I, I, I find the Olympics, oh, I just, I, I, yeah, the courses and like watching the London Olympics to me was almost, I almost thought it was going to be the death knell of the sport in the, in the Olympics. Um, really? I thought it was the most boring, boring, boring thing I've ever watched, um, watching the Brownleys win. And now that's not, a, it, just the course, the course didn't do it for me and it was a bit pedestrian. You know, it was that, you know, that whole era of, Oh, the Olympics is just a ten k run with wet hair. Yeah, okay. Yeah, we're sort of in that in that area, and I I I watched them roll around, and the Brownleys played it so beautifully and ran so hard, and and you know, but they didn't have to do the usual, you know, off the front sort of antics. And I just thought, oh man, if they don't get this right, that bike ride was so pedestrian. Yeah. Um, I thought that the sport was in trouble. Yeah. Right. But watching Flora, that run of Flora's was. 10k culmination of years and years and years. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that the other gold medal winners haven't had that, but I don't know. There's something about Flora Duffy watching that. Oh, absolutely. Just quickly back to the London Olympics. I totally appreciate what you're saying about the men, but the women's race has got to be one of the greatest races. Um, Lisa Norton, um, Nicholas Spierig, uh with that sprint finish. But for me, yeah, yeah, but for me, and that like, absolutely incredible. I was so invested in Erin Densham's story and for her to come Mm. third and it was just, that was incredible because the shit show that she had to go through to get to the start line, I'm surprised she even got around that course. Like it just, yeah. Um, but like, but that's the, it's the story as well. Like, obviously I, I was heavily invested in, in Erin. Um, but anyway, so sorry, sidebar, cause we, we're, this is meant to be like a five minute intro. We're really good at this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what did you even talk about before that? Oh, Flora. That's right. The person we're meant to be talking to. Right. So I had shut down wits up not long before the Olympics and, um, Oh, I was 
in two minds whether to watch it. But I was, again, for me, um, taking away the media side of things, I was just so invested in so many women in that race. Mm. Um, mm. Um, Flora, obviously, Jess Learmont, we'd become, you know, quite close over the last couple of years. She was doing some stuff with us with Witsaf. And I was like, no, I'm watching this as a friend. And yeah. Um, it was really interesting for me to watch it as a purely a spectator, not having to write an article afterwards or mm. really, you know, and I just became a super fan again. Um, yeah. and it was really ace because I could really get into Flora, just, just Terminator style. Like it was just phenomenal. Um, her race and but then the the entire women's podium was such a deserving podium um like everyone i felt like we're in the exact right spot yes you know across that finishing line yeah. um yeah. do you yeah. know it's um it i remember hearing kieran perkins talk um who was for those of you who know he was a great 1500 meter swimmer won gold in barcelona and then backed up in atlanta um and he did a he did a we were at ironman one time and he came in did one of those you know carbo night um, conversations and he said at the 500 meter mark of uh, Atlanta at 1500 meter race he knew there was no one in the world who could beat him <laughs> and like he was in lane 8 it's yeah. super famous he was in lane 8 and that just stopped I've never heard a Carbo night more quiet than when that guy was talking he hated me too by the way sidebar um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry I'm just if you can hear me scribbling, I'm just adding it to the list. <laughs> <laughs> I we we did an interview for SEN, which is the uh, radio station here in, Vic, in where we live. It's a sports radio station, and it did not go well. What um, happened? Quickly, just um, quick oh, I, I must have asked him some really stupid questions because yeah. there is a photo because we did it live. Oh, and there's a photo <laughs> of him looking at me like you are the world's biggest idiot. Um, and it was my first ever foray into a big name. Like he was the first big name we ever got on on our radio show. Uh, and it was commercial radio, full legit radio. And we're out there with our staff thinking that we were the, you know, this is awesome. Nah, Kieran, not not on board with me. Um, yeah, I know. He just shut me down. Um, anyway, but he said that. Now, the reason I say that is because when I felt Flora was at like the two or three K mark, it, it kind of felt that was it, that there was no one in the world of triathlon who could have caught her at that point. She was, it was just ordained that she would be what she would be. And that would be the gold medalist. Nothing was going to stop. That's how I felt when she was running. Oh, I completely agree. And there was a part of me that thought if, if anyone gets up to her, I feel like it looks like she's got another gear still. Like it's, she's yeah. so in control. Yeah. It, yeah, 100%. It, and we all know it wasn't effortless, but it looked effortless. It looked like just even her form just looked on point. It just, oh, it was it was amazing. Yeah, I mean, and yeah, the, the, the world of uh, Flora Duffy post-Olympics 2 is I'm really keen to find out about and just see what she's, um, you know, how she's handled it and what she's done because it, it's been mental, you know. She's been mm. given holidays she's been featured everywhere um it's it, it'll be an interesting story to talk to her so let's what do you think we jump across and uh have a chat with uh the olympic gold medalist flora duffy steph we we've we've must have hit it out of the park uh for this one <laughs> you could say we've gone for gold <laughs> we certainly have and if, i mean someone who needs absolutely zero introduction in any way shape or form you know what both i reckon uh as a triathlete but also as a global athlete uh these days flora duffy thanks for joining us hey yeah thank you for having me on i'm really um i'm really uh, excited to talk to you because i've been backing you for a number of olympics um on various forums etc um and an I think like most of us watching you come through in, um, you know, in the last was I really just really, I think a lot of us just felt it was so well-deserved. Is it still um, for you? Is it obviously, you know, it's a lot of water under the bridge because you've been so successful this year, but are there moments where you just sort of stop and still think it through? 
<laughs> yeah, it's um, it's definitely been a very crazy um, journey to you know to the point of where being in Tokyo and actually winning gold, so many ups and downs. And then what I didn't think about was what would happen after if I had actually won. And I didn't <laughs> really prepare myself for that. I mean, I guess you just don't know, do you? And I think mm. for a multiple, multiple of reasons, it kind of was just like bigger than I had ever anticipated it could have been. Um, so my life just kind of went crazy. And I'm a pretty like keep to myself, introverted person. And, you know, my life leading into Olympics was very much eat, sleep, train, repeat. That's it. And then suddenly it's like the total opposite. And you're doing, you know, all sorts of interviews, all the media are interested in you, um, get invited to different events and just, yeah, everything just turns upside down in like the best possible sense. Um, so basically in saying all of that, it didn't really hit me or dawn on me like what I'd accomplished. Like I was still trying to process all of that with with um, sort of managing all of the, the noise um, to say. So I think it's only now that my season, let's see, we're now into 2022. The season ended. I took a long break and now I'm getting back into training and I'm back here in Stellenbosch, which is where I always start my seasons to, to train. And um, for the first time in a long time, I'm not training to win an Olympic medal because I've done it. Ooh. And Ooh. that really hit me. And I was like, I've done it. Like, I have the goals. I'm not here with this thing on my back. Not, You know, everyone's not talking to me every day about, oh, the Olympics is approaching. Are you ready? Are you this? Are you that? Oh, the Olympics are in how long? It's like, no, they're addressing me as like, hey, Vora, congrats on winning gold. And it's just like, I don't know, such a surreal moment. And that's that's probably been the first signs of it starting to sink in. Wow. Oh, gosh, I can't – I got goosebumps from that because, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, Phil and I have never won a gold medal. So, <laughs> I mean, not so obvious. You never know about our past. But uh, w we can never fathom – the the emotions and the highs and uh, and the lows obviously leading up to things uh, that you could go through but like you say there's there's no preparing for that so and being the more introverted person that you are I just don't think you could train for the aftermath right no absolutely not um, it was just yeah absolutely nuts in in one sense. Um, COVID, COVID protocols and everything probably saved me a tiny bit because there was less, I guess, media in Tokyo and you had to leave the country two days after. And so um, a lot of the stuff was done via Zoom or, you know, online in terms of my interviews. So I wasn't, I still was running around like crazy, but not as much as I could have been. So, you know, in one sense. Yeah. So like I was saying, obviously, uh, there's just, there's no training for the aftermath right no um absolutely not um at least yeah not for me um yeah I I yeah as I said I never really thought about what would happen after and it just didn't I mean it clicked that you know the Olympics is a massive thing but I just didn't I was trying to block out as much as I could of like how big the Olympics is and how many people tune in to watch and um, probably even more so during like COVID time because there'd been such buildup to it and with it being postponed a year that, um, yeah, it felt that after I won, just the amount of interviews, media, chatting, um, I think some people get a lot of energy for th from that. Whereas for me, um, it took so much out of me um, to almost the point you're like, whoa, I... I just wanted to like win this race. I didn't really know all of this other stuff would happen. Um, you know, it's all positive and lovely, but it was just, yeah, more than I could have imagined. And is that simultaneous? Is, the, is it is it almost like a, it, it seems to me, again, not having ever won a gold medal um, <laughs> since under 11s, um, it seems to me that, is it like a, like a percussion bomb that hits? Is it sort of like as soon as you finish, does it all explode? Um, yes, that's actually a very, um, 
good way to phrase it. That's at least what it felt like for me, for sure. Because I finished and then immediately you have, um, I had someone from like World Triathlon Media, you know, just being like, okay, you've got to go here. Then you've got to go here. Then you've got to go here. Oh, then you've got to go to the press conference. Okay, then you've got to go to the podium. And then like, and then it's just fascinating how, you know, like I went on to CNN later that day and like a few of the big things and like how they find you, you know, like, I don't know how people like got my email, got Dan's email, got his like phone number, but like it just happens and your inbox just explodes and you're like, wait, what just happened here? Um, so yeah, there was definitely, it felt like, yeah, just that like mind blown emoji would be exactly what described yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was going to say Gen. No, what Gen Y? Would you be Gen Y? I don't know. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Oh, no. But yeah, <laughs> do do you have to handball? I mean, in the triathlon world, you're a big big deal. In Bermuda, I think it's fair to say you've been a pretty big deal for a while. But outside of those worlds, you you're not a Serena Williams because, you know, triathlon's a small sport in comparison, you know. So being asked to go on the likes of CNN uh, and, like you say, all these people finding your email address, did, did you have to handball all of that admin to someone else because it was just too much? Yes. I mean, poor Dan had to deal with it all. <laughs> but he, he likes that stuff. He loves admin and getting back to the emails and coordinating everything. <laughs> Or at least I like I to it. tell me. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think he was also pretty blown away. Um, I think what made it, you know, quite big was that it was Bermuda's first ever gold medal. Um, mm. And so that just, you know, was way bigger than just like Flo Duffy winning, but it was like Bermuda's first ever. So, um, it, yeah. In um, in Sydney Olympics, I remember Kathy Freeman here in Australia who was – um, you know, when she did her 400 meter race, the whole country stopped. I mean, of course, this country stops for most things that race. Um, <laughs> but watching Kathy absorb the pressure and just, you know, like do her thing and, and, and win the gold medal, is it, was it like, Evan, for you, did you feel the weight of the country watching? And do you, and then post, what was that like? I mean, 18th of October is your day, they took a day off. <laughs> love that. <laughs> I know that's pretty crazy. I never expected that there would be a Flora Duffy day, and the whole country would stop. And it was just like, yeah, celebrations. Um, it's the best. Yeah, I know it was kind of incredible. I mean, it, for me, it was strange. I felt like it was a work day because I was going from this function to that function to this function. But then I had this really awesome concert <laughs> at the end of the day, um, and the always Bermudian artists um, performed, and it was just it was incredible. So it was a very special day. Um, but in terms of the pressure and expectation, um, yes, a hundred percent knew that was there. I knew I was Bermuda's, you know, first very strong medal hope in 40 years at an Olympics. So we have one from boxing in 1976, Montreal. Um, and so I guess I just had to do my best of just acknowledging that was all there but then putting it to the side um because that's not something I could control well I guess I could I could control it but if I could, just couldn't really engage with it if that makes sense um and I was very well protected by friends and, and Dan and my coaches to let me just kind of do my thing and block out um everything that was going around me and one of the one thing I did was I knew you know I knew there was a lot of support from back home and everyone was very excited of like what could happen. And so I just turned that around to positive to be like, well, everyone back home has my back and they believe I can do it. Um, and that was a really powerful moment for me to know that I had, you know, the backing of my country and believed I could stand on that pontoon and go for gold. Um, and so yeah, then in a sense, I just, you know, had to get comfortable with being in that space um, as a favorite with the pressure and expectation 
and all that comes with with the Olympics. Um, and I think that's why after the race, that win hit me so hard, like emotionally and mentally, because I was carrying so much on my shoulders that I didn't quite realize. And then it all just hit me after that race in Tokyo. Um, and it was just, yeah, just really crazy. The, the shift in what I was able to do tr in training, you know, pre-Tokyo, post-Tokyo, just because I was so exhausted from, mm. from everything. So I assume you work with some form of a sports psychologist. Um, I do. Yes. And it's funny. I, I only started working with one at the beginning of 2021. Um, and that really helped. It helped a lot actually, because I was also, um, suffering with a bit of an injury through April and May, which is highly stressful alongside all of the other highly stressful things going on to an Olympics. And mm. so, yeah, working with sports psychologists really helped, um, yeah, change change my whole thinking and put put a lot of stuff into perspective, um, which helped a lot. And and post Olympics, I imagine that relationship would have to have helped you navigate the enormity of what was happening. Oh yeah, 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 totally. Um, yeah, so it wasn't just like a few sessions pre Olympics. It, yeah, I continued to to meet with my sports psych after the Olympics and just to help process it and. Just also um, someone to be there for me that's sort of like just on the outside of my team, if that makes sense, which does bring mm. a different perspective in. And just to be there for me in case, because a lot of people, it's such a high, right, to, to mm. win a medal at the Olympics, and there is inevitably a low. Um, mm. And just to be there for me. If that ever if that occurred, and I guess luckily for me, um, I didn't have like a massive low, but um, yeah, we continued to chat and just talk things through and help me calm down because I was also it, it in one sense I was kind of like, well, I just I wanted to go there and fulfill a childhood dream and win a medal at the Olympics, and then suddenly, um, in one sense it's cool because it's like kind of becomes bigger than you. But, you know, you're the person that has to, I don't know, go to all these events and engagements and have a holiday. And yeah, it was just a lot to process, um, you know, all of those like wonderful moments, but still a lot to take in. Mm. The, the the highlight for me personally was when Snoop Dogg and Kevin Hart. <gasps> oh, my gosh. You. Oh, <laughs> my God. Me too. That. Oh, my gosh. So good. Yeah. So good. Um, if you haven't seen it, you've got to just Google Kevin Hart, Snoop Dogg, talking triathlon. Um, and, and there you are. And I, I mean, seriously, I know Kevin Hart knows what a marathon is, but boy, Snoop Dogg sure doesn't. But um, <laughs> so good. Yeah, that was seeing super that, Yeah, seeing that, is it like, I don't know, how surreal is that? Yeah, no, that's crazy because I'm like Snoop Dogg and Kevin Hart are like saying my name, like what, you know? Actually, like watch watching footage of me race, like that was crazy. And that's those things are the those types of things only happen at, at Olympic Games, right? Like I'm, I'm like yep. thinking back, like I've won some pretty big races in my career, but like nothing compares to the eyes and the media and exposure that an Olympic Games brings. Um, like. Just so cool. That really just made my life that clip. <laughs> yeah. And fair enough. Like nothing will compare. No. I mean, having, you know, no, no, that's it. It is the pinnacle of your life <laughs> for sure. No. <laughs> um, I, I, sorry, I want to jump around a little bit um, because you mentioned, um, you know, you're just getting back into training now and, and saying to yourself, I've won gold. What do I train for now? And it's it wasn't just a gold. It was a childhood dream. It was during the COVID era era where the Olympics were postponed. Like just it crazy times. So all these things are uh, wrapped up in that gold medal. So what do you train for now? Like what is that that white rabbit that you're chasing now? <laughs> um yeah, that's an interesting question. Um 
And yeah, a good question to ask. And I think for me, I am definitely at a turning point of, well, what is next? Like, why am I, why do I keep doing this? Um, And I don't know, I guess I do really enjoy the sport and the racing and the lifestyle that goes with it. Um, Obviously, there's a lot of heartbreak along the way with injuries and whatever else. But um, yeah, I don't know. I think for me, I haven't quite defined that. And I think I need this year to figure those things out um, and get back out there and race um, after knowing I have accomplished this big dream and just see how it goes. Um, I definitely have some aspirations in the 70.3 world that kind of really that does interest me quite a lot and learning to ride a TT bike and, you know, dialing in that whole side of, of the sport, which I've only ever done one. And so that's really interesting. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It's funny. The other day I kind of thought, I was like, wow, you know, Tokyo is such a big moment and I don't, I don't know if I quite took it in. So I was like, so maybe, maybe I should keep going for Paris. Cause wouldn't it be cool if I could like try again and then I'd be more present, you know, that's like me, like, uh, and then I'm like, Flora, don't you remember how much like time, <laughs> effort, work, dedication, your whole life surrounded it. Um, so I don't know. I also haven't closed the door to Paris. So yeah, it's just an interesting time of um, figuring out exactly what's next and what my next why is. But one thing that's nice is I'm continuing to race because I love it and that's what I want to do. And that's kind of a cool place to race from, I think. Definitely. Oh, of course. Uh, it's, um, it's, I reckon it's the best place. I think it's where you, you sort of center yourself in, in you, you, you got back to it so quickly though, I think after the Olympics and then like your season was phenomenal. Um, like, do you reflect on that as well? Like, like in, in that sort of maelstrom of what you experienced post Olympics to, to come back and like, if that was me, I'd get the T-shirt printed and sit on the couch for the next five or six decades, you know, whereas you're like, well, I was thinking I'll just go and win next era world title. You know, I mean, like this is – your your season was so amazing. How do you then process that? Is that sort of where you look back now and it's, is it overwhelming or is it like I have to lower my expectations because last year was so insane? Yeah, I mean, you're, you're right. There will never be another year like – um, 2021. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think it is so hard, um, to, to take it all in and to process it. And I also sometimes kind of think that like in one sense, people expect you to keep racing because it just jumps from one thing to the next and to the next and to the next. And it's like, I don't know if you're not part of the the storyline and the racing, like, I don't know, I don't want to be like forgotten, you know, or like, um, I don't know, even with like sponsors and not that I had any pressure for pressure from them to keep racing, but, um, it just sort of feels now that you can't just do one thing and that be your year, you know, because so many people are like winning multiple things, um, that, um, I don't know, it just didn't feel right for me to stop and, I had the great fitness and I'd missed so much in 2020 with the pandemic. And then in 2019, I was injured. So it was was like, wow, I'm finally, I'm healthy. I'm really fit. And there's these races to do. So I may as well like, you know, make the most of it. Um, It definitely wasn't super easy though. That's for sure. Um, Mm. But yeah, I learned a lot and I definitely had to rely on experience along the way. Um, But yeah, enjoyed it. (laughs) <laughs> so but given, um, given you had all that and all that amazing fitness is it was it hard to finally switch off no I was super ready to switch off <laughs> I think after Abu Dhabi my I was I was like definitely switching off as the weeks went by like I had to have a pretty serious talk with like my coach and um he knew this he was like you know it's totally fine if you need to like go back more to just taking some of the basics off in training and lowering the volume and just like, um, you know, you have a few things you need to tick off throughout the week um, and just to chill a little bit. 
leading into Xterra Worlds because I did have so much fitness banked. Um, so yeah, saying that I was definitely super ready to, um, yeah, just to step back and remove myself from the triathlon world um, and just, yeah, process the whole entire year. So now as soon as I finished Xterra Worlds, I was like, triathlon, I'll see you in six weeks, but I'm going to go on holiday now. And I did not run. I did not swim. I did not cycle. I just like surfed, hung out. Um, yes. Yeah, I did like no exercise. It was quite shocking how quickly I was like just, I don't know, just sleeping in, hanging out, um, which was super nice and definitely needed. Yeah, I mean, I wonder how you would start this year if you didn't have that break. Um, and my guess would be not so great. <laughs> you are. Um, no. It wasn't just. Yeah, it wasn't just the physical rest that you needed. From the sounds of things, um, your the adrenaline, the cortisol levels were up for a very extended period of time for you after the Olympics. Yes, absolutely. So, um, yeah, so it, it, regardless of almost whatever happened at the Olympics, I was always going to have a big um, end of season break at the end of 2021 because it had been such a journey to get there. But then, yeah, even more so because of winning gold and everything that happened after, having a big reset um, and allowing myself that, you know, and not being like, oh, I should be exercising a little bit in my downtime. Like just to give myself the space to just chill and um, really disconnect. Um, was really vital and so my coach really pushed me on that and um, I accepted and I achieved it and um, yeah it was super important because I do feel now that I am you know enjoying the process of getting back into training I'm not enjoying how unfit I am it's actually <laughs> horrendous um, <laughs> but uh, I feel like I can challenge you on that <laughs> oh, I got that coach <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Flora, I, I want to ask, and this is going to sound like I'm trying to retire you, and I'm absolutely not. Um, but th 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 there's a method to the madness in this question. Um, being from Bermuda, obviously, it was huge there. Um, and to me, it came across that you did really enjoy taking that gold medal back um, and really being. Um, I mean, I can say it, you might feel a bit funny saying it, but an inspiration to a lot of people, but especially kids, I feel like you really enjoy being that role model type of person. Um, and, and in saying that, just sidebar, I was telling my mate's kids yesterday that I was chatting to you today. Now they're only into triathlon because I am, and it blew their tiny little minds that I was chatting to a gold medalist. So I need you to know that while you only receive an email from one Australian uh, in the last two years, there, there, there are young Australian kids here, you know, on the other side of the world who know who you are, who are inspired by you, who are doing a triathlon tomorrow, and they'll be telling their mates that the Rani Steph spoke to a gold. Like, what I'm trying to get at is the reach that you've got and um, the inspiration that you are spreading is far and wide. Um, when you look back at your career, are they the kind of things that really count to you above and beyond a gold medal? Mm, yeah. Wow. That's really special to hear um, about the kids, um, hmm. you know, in Australia. It just always blows my mind. I'm like, wow, they know who I am. Wow. Like that's really special. Um, <laughs> and definitely. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, ultimately, I think that's definitely, you know, the awards can be forgotten, but to have, leave a legacy like that and where this, where what you're doing, the sport becomes, it becomes bigger than swim, bike and run, right? Like it becomes bigger than you mm. and it's having a positive impact. Um, like that's a really incredible place to be. And, you know, definitely not somewhere I ever, you know, thought I would be to have this, you know, platform that, um, yeah, could see could see and it means something to them and inspires them. Like that's just yeah, so cool. Um, yeah, and especially everyone you know back home in Bermuda because it's like 
like that was me like I was like you know the little girl doing all the local triathlon races and at the swim meets and running around the track in the cross-country races and um so yeah it's just yeah pretty cool to yeah to see you know the kids response and um yeah I think yeah get, leaving a legacy like that is super special and I don't know kind of cool I don't know it leaves me a little bit speechless you know it's like I don't know it's like wow <laughs> well it's uh yeah, I mean, it's it's what you've achieved this last season was ridiculous. Um, we um, definitely uh, <laughs> talked about you a lot last season, Flora, and just um, hearing you as well, it's um, it's inspiring how you are so um, composed with this. When I know, certainly, um, as you were saying earlier, you know, you're you're, you're not um, uh, you're certainly not that way inclined. You know, the 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 big publicity uh, seeking person. So it must have been a huge quantum shift for you and and for the inner circle um and family etc to to be involved but we've really enjoyed it um and enjoyed our 29 minutes with you um <laughs> it's um it's so generous for you to give us your time and um thank you for uh you know for just being such a wonderful role model for this sport as also for um your uh you know the joy of us watching you storm tokyo and uh and that run which uh you know I'll, i won't forget watching and cheering with my lot as well as we um you know wanted to you to get across the line um so thanks so much for, for being part of this yeah thank you so much um it's been really nice to chat to you both and yeah thank you so much for having me on it's been nice to reminisce about tokyo and the whole aftermath <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much um i'm the coolest auntie this weekend <laughs> <laughs> oh that's so awesome <laughs> thanks for listening to the cool down make sure to check out all in the world of triathlon with triathlete magazine